In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So what is Mary up to here? <laughs> it's right before the Passover, so we know something big is going on. We're at a dinner with someone who is both Jesus' friend and now that he's been raised from the dead, is also Jesus' biggest claim to public notoriety. And in this very loaded setting, Mary pulls out this huge jar of perfume and rubs it on Jesus' feet and then wipes it with her hair. I am not enough of a biblical scholar to understand fully what is going on here, but I am an alert enough reader to know that it is weird. <laughs> it is confusing. Wiping perfume and drying it with your hair? Who, who does that? And, and more importantly, why? This really small, intimate moment, it's the heart of the story the hair taken down, the feet taken up. Imagine someone touching the bottoms of your feet underneath your shoes and your socks. And if you are instinctively feeling ticklish right now, you have a sense of just how intimate this is. There's no question, it's a deeply personal moment. Jesus himself suggests the intimacy of it. Mary is preparing his body for burial. And Maybe there's more going on, at least in the Old Testament. Feet are sometimes not just feet, so there could be another layer here too. Whatever is happening, we are getting to watch an exchange that's undeniably private. But we're not the only ones watching. So perhaps it's not so private after all. Mary is there. Martha is there, Lazarus is there, Judas is there, and he's seen the whole thing happen, and he questions it. He makes clear that this is a public gesture, and as such, it is subject to public scrutiny. He asks that question, which I think is a good question, one that any sensible nonprofit would ask, why was this perfume not sold and the money given to the poor? Judas's publicly conscious question makes the other public dimensions of this moment clear. Maybe this is not just the anointing of a body for burial. It looks a lot like the anointing of a king by a prophet. And you know, the very next thing we hear about after this story is the entry into Jerusalem. So perhaps this is a political story. The reality here is that whatever is happening, it's both of these things, both private and political, both personal and public. Because that's the way that love works. That's the way that love and the expression of love happens in the end. Mary, in making a statement about her love for Jesus, she's operating on both of these levels. And anytime any of us make a statement about love, it's both of those things. 
It may sound strange to say that adoration is a political act. And yet, adoration involves the choice of what is worthy and what is not. The choice of where we will pour out our devotion and where we'll hold back. Those choices, they may begin in private, but their expression and certainly their consequences, they do not remain private. Who we love and the way we love them matters. Who we love and the way we love them, that doesn't just affect us. That affects the world. Good news? I think it is. Because so often we relegate our private lives into this really small domestic space where we imagine that our choices matter only to us, or we assume that our power is going to be limited by our scope. Maybe we think I'm just one person trying to figure out how to make my marriage work. I'm just one person trying to figure out how to raise this child. I'm just one person just trying to figure out how to pray. I'm only making small private choices for my small private life. But love doesn't remain small. What begins as a deeply personal act of love, that can have exponential power to change the world when it gets seen. The best way that I can think of to describe this to you all is to tell you about a wedding that happened last month. On Sundays, I serve out at St. Thomas Church in McLean, where Peter is now 80 years old. And Peter has been attending St. Thomas for decades, and like many gay men of his generation, was very gently in the closet. So when Rick started coming with him a few years ago to church, it took some people a while to realize that Rick was more than just Peter's friend. And maybe there was some awkwardness, and, and then there was some acceptance, and in the end, everybody really was just at home. And so when Peter and Rick decided to get married, they decided to do it where they were most at home, on Sunday morning with the congregation gathered around them, and everybody they knew, and even a few confused newcomers off the street. The two of them stood up front, and they said their vows to one another, and they held hands, and they looked into one another's eyes. And it was that kind of moment that was so intimate that you almost had to look away out of respect. And yet, it was also the kind of moment that was meant to be seen. It said something. For these two men to stand up and declare their love, it's more common than it once was, but it's still brave. For Peter and Rick to name one another as worthy, that meant something. And it meant something not just about them, but about the world around them and the way that world should work. They poured out their love so everyone could see it. And I will tell you, at that moment, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. How will we love? And to what end? 
What will happen when people see what we are doing? Holy Week is a weird time. We are invited on the one hand to these exercises of personal piety, to to get down on our knees in devotion and turn our mind inward and meditate on the sorrowful face of one man. And yet the church also invites us to some very awkwardly public moments. I'm guessing a lot of us were walking along the road yesterday waving palms while traffic passed and you could see the kind of confused look on drivers' faces. So we might wonder which of these patterns are we supposed to follow? But the reality, of course, is that they're one and the same. The choice to love the choice to find worth. That may start small, but really there is no such thing as a small act of devotion. And this is good news. When we worship rightly, we don't have to hold a a cross or a palm for the world around us to learn something about love, and in so doing, to learn something about God. So this week, or or any week, really, love boldly. Don't be afraid to be like Mary. Don't worry about making sense. Defy logic. Embrace, Embrace those things that you know to be worthy. And show your devotion, however it comes just tumbling out of your heart, and let the world draw its own conclusions. What is Mary up to? I still don't know. But I know it matters. And I think we should be up to the same thing.